0: Before we start the show, I've got to tell you guys about the Green Solution. Green Solution has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flower, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online. And then all you got to do is head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. Use the promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Let's start the show.
1: Nobody out. Three and two on Charlotte. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsey breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landis guy.
2: He has done it again. Vaughn
3: Miller, ladies and gentlemen. top two hands. Nikola Jokic. Send me by Grubauer with the left pad. Oh, goodness gracious me. Take a good look. You will see it from Two on home run, Trevor Story. Touchdown
2: to Emmanuel Sanders oh man, That's from way downtown. And the blue arrow is flying at Pepsi Center. Score! It's too good to be true, but believe it. Oh, hell, hell.
0: Broncos training camp has officially started. And the Rockies won a game. (laughs) We'll be discussing all that and more in the Denver sports podcast presented by Breckenridge Brewery, your official BSN Denver beer. I'm your host, Allie Monroy. And with me today, I've got Ryan Konigsberg, Drew Kreisman, Harrison Wind, and AJ Hafley. First of all, I just want to say thank you to all of you listeners. We've gotten such incredible feedback about this podcast, and you guys are just making us more and more excited to record these every week.
1: In terms of, like, the box office, like best weekend box office history this that's uh, that podcast is the best box office opening weekend in BSN Denver history.
4: That was our end game. It
1: or wasn't was our, because we, it wasn't now. because we talked about the Rockies, Drew. I it hope was. you know that. <laughs> that Headliner? was that
3: was not the reason why
1: it did so well.
4: I, <laughs> saw, I saw headlining material leading the charge. That's how it works. If your name is on the marquee, you get those box office receipts.
1: People just want to see the mental gymnastics you have to use to <laughs> the Rockies at this point.
4: Whatever the reason. <laughs> I will dance for
2: them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, well, keep letting us know if you're enjoying it by giving us a five star rating or just tweeting at us and letting us know. But, all right, let's start off with the Broncos. We are five days into training camp. Ryan, what are your biggest takeaways so far? Five days in.
1: I think the biggest takeaway is, is the balance between offense and defense. Is the defense really, really good? Is the offense really, really bad? Is it somewhere in between? To this point, there's been five practices, and it hasn't been close. Every single day, the defense has dominated the day. It seemed like in the fourth practice, maybe the offense took a step forward, they went right back the other way in the fifth practice. So if you're feeling optimistic on this Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever day you're listening to this, then you're saying, wow, Broncos' defense is going to be fantastic. But if you haven't had your coffee yet, then you're probably a little bit worried about this offense.
3: Eek. <laughs> Defense wins championships? I got, I got. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm surprised one of your takeaways wasn't how hot it is. That's all I can think about when I see your preseason coverage. I you were going to talk about well, hot, or, hot or, guys again. You yeah. uh, all, all your training camp coverage. Is. I can't even imagine. <laughs> do <they have> teeth? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I can't even imagine sitting out there for like a whole practice. I know. The how do you day, do it?
1: The day before training camp, uh, there was a day Rockies game, and it was like 97 degrees. And I was like, man, I feel bad for anyone who went to that game. And I was like, oh, God, it's going to be even hotter tomorrow, and I have to stand out for even longer in the sun. Does but
3: everybody just stand in their tents? So, <laughs> I, th- these are like what this is like what I'm wondering about, no, Darkest Training Camp.
1: Well, the come up is real for BSN. Now we have our own tent. Right. Uh, so, yeah, you're not even really supposed to sit. But since we have chairs in our tent, I kind of just, you know, find a spot in the tent, nestle up, find a chair where no one's blocking my view, and uh, enjoy the shade. But if you go out, like two days ago, the Bolin family was over on the fan side, and they were Mm -hmm. like, oh, you can go over there and talk to them if you want. So I went over there. I stood over there for like 30 minutes, got cooked in the sun, was so hot, sweating all over the place. So, yeah, it's it's a grind. It's a grind. And then I thought about, I'm just standing here. How are these players doing this?
0: Oh, my God, running and doing sprints and all of that.
4: And it's been that way in a lot of places. I don't know if you saw the Patrick Lyons tweet, but I'm working on the article now. Tony Walters said in that series in New York, he lost ten pounds. What? Oh my god! Yeah, and it's Tony playing baseball. Yeah, right. Well, and wearing all that gear out there in the heat for however many hours. The yeah, but it's been ridiculous. Some of the heat, man.
1: It should your story should be called the Walters Diet. And just teach people like just go sit out, just go sit in a squatting position outside wearing That's a bunch of catcher's dangerous. gear.
0: Right. We should not promote that. And <laughs> almost get run
4: over by six seven Aaron Judge. You see that play? Got destroyed. Good five eight Tony Wolters getting blown up by Aaron Judge. Did that actually happened. Yeah. Why? Uh, I mean, he didn't the, – the contact looked worse than it was because one guy's is 6'7", and the other guy's is 5'8". It just play at the plate, and they kind of ran into each other a little bit, and everyone, you know, took a deep breath, but Walters popped right up. It was just like, man, really, with everything these guys have been through lately, all the injuries, and they're out there in 98-degree heat and humidity. Uh, uh, Patrick was telling me the worst part has been the humidity out there in I the like press that. box. He says it's just been miserable, but – uh, yeah, so imagine on top of all that, you're wearing all this gear. I remember back in the day, I caught it as a kid, and that, was a, that, that mm. plastic, black plastic just melts your entire body sitting out there in the sun. Oh, yeah, catcher's got to be the worst position <laughs> in, in all lacrosse of sports. Goalie. Lacrosse, lacrosse goalie. goalie? Oh, wow, lacrosse goalie? They're just yeah. hucking
1: a rock at you at yeah. 100 <laughs> miles per hour. Like, right. just, it's like baseball, you might get hit by a pitch. It's a rare occurrence.
3: Yeah, but catcher, you have to be in that crouch the whole time. At least lacrosse goalie, you're standing. Ryan. That's true.
0: I That's mean, true. I just can't imagine the humidity when I lived over on the East Coast. You would just step outside, just step outside from your house and you'd be sweating. Right. It I, you're wearing all of that gear, that sounds oh. absolutely terrible.
1: That's why we're all here.
0: But all right, getting back on track. Ryan Vic Fangio has banned music from practice. What are what's everyone's <laughs> thoughts on that?
1: Boo. <laughs> you want me to you want you me can, to go first? Start, all right. Yeah. I think it's fantastic um first of all the playlist they always had out there was extremely disjointed it would go from like chris young to drake to guns N' roses and that really bothered me i'm a big fan of playlist synergy so um that's out of my <laughs> life now and that's good
0: was it because you guys always your tent was always near the speakers so you're very happy about that now
1: that's another thing last year if we didn't get the podcast done by like precisely nine ten a.m <laughs> it would just start blasting a speaker like our tent is as close to the speaker as i am to andre right now is
3: that like a seniority thing do you do you start out close to the speaker and then your tent moves further and further away i, I think so i
1: mean the team uh you know the team partner radio station is the furthest away from huh the speaker, interesting so. uh but anyways I, I also from a football perspective just think it makes sense like what What is the point of having music out there all day where coaches are having to, like, yell over music to try and relay a message to the players? Now you can see that they're just, like, if Rich Gangarello wants to go tell Joe Flacco something, he can just, like, walk over to him and, and say it. It used to have to be, like, Joe, Joe, come on, come on, over, hey, over here. Like, they don't hear it, and, you know, Drake's blasting in the background, and, and that's what Vic Fangio said. He's, like, I shouldn't have to yell at a player who's standing right next to me.
0: AJ, we haven't heard from you. What do you think of that?
5: i don't <laughs> honestly, <laughs> okay. honestly i mean it's whatever uh if it if it, it's, if it's helpful for the coaches then great have at it i mean is that is that gonna help joe flacco not be a baddie this year because if it is if it is i'm all for it
1: is a baddie in your mind a, a bad thing because if you say that about a girl that's a good thing gosh she's a baddie.
5: no no, <laughs> <laughs> no. apparently what? i'm too old <laughs> I feel but. like
3: the thing with the music is the players love it and the coaches hate it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it's for the players yeah, just it's so fun. they don't it's get, like, like super bored and they're, like, Vuda. jumping around and whatnot. And, like, I, I went to – um, my brother works for the Seahawks. I went to Seahawks training camp last year, and they had music going the whole time. Like, I think most teams do, except they have, like, a team DJ who's set up in this tent and – like spinning tracks the whole like practice long and then he gets on the mic, he's like DJ Super Sam, blah 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. But it, it was just it was just DJ pr- 12th man. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I thought that. it was pretty <laughs> funny. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I think to your I one. think to your synergy point they should if they're trying to mix up genres, it should be like, all right, Monday, rap, Tuesday,
1: country, country. Wednesday, rock. Right. Baseball the starting pitcher makes the yeah, call. Yeah, they're right?
4: very structured about who's in charge of the music on any given day. Usually, I like that. It, yeah, it's the starting pitcher before any game, you go into the clubhouse, the uh, so it'll just be any given day, you will know as soon as you walk in, uh, you know, if our men Marquez is pitching that day versus John Gray, you'll know based on the <laughs> musical uh, differences there. So, yeah. Uh, then during BP, I think it, it cycles through a, a series of like more senior players. The the one wild card was when uh, Gerardo Parra was on the team. Uh, He got to decide the music any time he felt like, just deciding they were going to play something else. So that's when you would run into lack of synergy. So most of the time, you get pretty good synergy. you got some good playlists. They stay in a spot. If it's reggaeton because Gerardo Parra has chosen it, that's what they're doing for BP, and it's awesome. But, uh, yeah, every once in a while, it'll go sharply from, like, Christian country rock right into reggaeton cuz somebody decided no we're we're going to do this other thing and it was usually para They don't do that as much anymore. No one has that seniority to do that. Well, I'll tell who you, was oh,
1: the best who had the best yeah. uh, playlists?
4: Oh, definitely Para. And that's why he got to do it, because mm-hmm. no one minded when he changed the music. It was definitely para.
1: Also, they, the one time, uh, one of the two times I was in there, they were just like playing playing songs off YouTube. Have they <laughs> yeah. moved past that? Yeah. Do they have Spotify yet?
4: No, they just have. I think they've got like the YouTube Premium or whatever. Everyone oh just God. has their kind of playlist that they go to. Yeah, I know. It's so like. <laughs>
0: I think the videos <laughs> show up on TV too. So yeah. And the TV's all around, so the they worst. also like to watch the music videos.
1: Do they still make music videos? They do. It's still a big thing. seems fun. like a waste of money.
4: And the way I know this is because the worst thing about that is every once in a while, they'll be doing a music video, and there'll be, like, acting and, like, story, and there'll be, like, hip-hop ones, and sometimes the story is, like, really awful. It's like someone getting murdered, and, like, no one bothers to go over and turn off the, the thing. So I'm literally, I've been standing in the clubhouse, Rocky's clubhouse, while I just hear, like, some rap video of somebody getting murdered, and I'm like, this is really uncomfortable, but all right. Uh, you know, And then it just goes into the music, and no one seems to notice. It's
1: Getting back to the <laughs> beginning here, I think if the Broncos had won the Super Bowl last year and Vic Fangio decided like to drop the hammer and say, like, no music, it would seem overbearing. But when you've won 11 games in two years, I think yeah. the coach has the authority to say, this isn't about having fun out here. This is about practicing football.
3: I mean, my impression of it is it's an old-school coaching move, and Vic Fangio seems like a very old-school guy. He's That's the first thing I thought of when I saw that. They're not having music there.
1: It's pretty cool with him because he just does everything his way. Yeah. Um, just little things I keep noticing. I'm like, oh, they put a score bo- like a, a real high school size scoreboard on that side of the practice field. Like, I asked someone, is that Vic Fangio's move? They're like, yep. Like, before, now it seems stupid. Back then, you wouldn't have noticed it. But before, if they ever wanted to do situational work, they could only go east on the field because that's where the quarterback could see the scoreboard. Now – Vic Fangio is just like, that's dumb. Give me a scoreboard over there so I can do it both ways. It's just little things like that. He, he's thought of everything.
3: Vic Fangio seems like a pencil behind the ear kind of guy.
1: Oh, yeah. I
0: mean, he wears a gray crew neck to practice uh, speaking every of how hot single it is, day.
1: I Man. don't know how he to Maybe he just like doesn't feel neck. heat. I mean, you talk about a pencil behind the neck guy. He literally would. He doesn't <laughs> trust the internet. Right. Um, So he would write up his entire defensive game plan on a notebook.
3: That's not, like, surprising. And then
1: lay out – he would go up on, like, a desk like this and lay out his entire page by page. I don't know what he's going to do now. I was thinking he has to – because he's going to be on the sideline. He's not going to have, like, a whole desk. I was thinking maybe someone can build him, like, like an inflatable (sighs) desk – that goes around his waist <laughs> that he just walks around and he could leave all of his papers on there
0: you should ask him that during a presser you should tell him about your idea
1: my inflatable yeah see
0: how he responds to that one
1: <laughs> coach have you heard of the inflatable desk so this would be
3: like something that straps onto his waist and just like o- almost like something you would wear in the pool <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like a little kid in the pool
1: yes exactly it's like a floaty for your body but it has it's like he has some space to lay his stuff out. They could
3: have like a cup holder.
1: Yep. Or maybe they just need an intern that has like a roly desk. That everywhere he walks, they just roll the desk in front of him.
3: Like the uh, the Rams had that get back guy, the get back coach. Mm-hmm. This could be just like the his desk guy. his personal desk
1: pusher. Honestly, they could sell it to like American Furniture Warehouse. Like, yeah, get, we'll a spot, move your desk, get a sponsorship just like we do for Vic Fangio. A sponsorship games.
3: going, yeah.
0: Not that this isn't very entertaining. We're gonna get back on track. We're gonna turn to you, Drew. Mostly. Last week we talked about whether or not it was time to panic for the Rockies, and since then they've won one single game. Drew uh-huh. is uh-huh.
2: Uh-huh.
0: is the season over?
4: no uh mathematically speaking it is not uh <laughs> but it it really doesn't look good but this series i mean it's cra- but it, this this is it this series against the nationals is make or break like mathematically speaking crazier things have happened than if they were to say get swept by washington here then they could get back in it but it's just incredibly unlikely and if they don't win the series against the nationals they really do need to sell off some veteran pieces and so uh, it's it's unlikely, but you take three of four from Washington and both mathematically you're back into it and you've made up some ground in the wild card since they lead the wild card race right now, and you've got to feel pretty confident that you've turned the page from whatever this horrible stretch out of the break and kind of into it has been with a, a win in the final game against New York. You have, if you can take the series against Washington, then you you send a message that, yeah, maybe they can do some things even to add to the team or or even just kind of play it out and see what happens. Uh, So, no, the season isn't over, but the Rockies are in a place right now where their season pretty much comes down to this this series right here, a four game set against the Washington Nationals in July. And nobody wanted that to be the case before the year started.
0: Well, let's talk about tonight's pitching matchup. It's Peter Lambert going up against Steven Strasburg. That is a mismatch.
4: (laughs) Well, uh, yes, yes, that's true. I mean, Strasburg obviously has the pedigree. Uh, He's struggled in his career against the Rockies a lot, both at Coors Field and in D.C. And the Rockies have some guys who just traditionally have raked there. Their best hitters, in particular, Blackman and Arenado have been really good there. And Peter Lambert has really held his own. His... ERA looks ugly because of one really terrible start against the Houston Astros where he just also didn't go very many innings. But I think you've seen a lot of positive things out of him, especially his last time out at Coors Field. I expect it to be a very competitive game. Of course, the Rockies aren't going to be favored to win that matchup. They shouldn't be. On, on paper, that's a that's a matchup in favor of the Washington Nationals. But I think Lambert's going to make it a competitive game. And I think the Rockies' offense is going to get at Steven Strasburg. Is, is Strasburg's career a bit of a letdown? Oh yeah, yeah. Which is crazy to say because he's been remarkable at times. Is but it
5: is it more that it's a letdown or more that it's Scherzer has been there and kind of outshine him in the, in their time together?
4: A bit of both, but so much of it goes back to that year when he was his best season. Mm-hmm. When he got them into the postseason and they shut him down because they were worried about his future. Oh, God, I was
3: so pissed when that happened. That yeah. was just... And, and it's like you, my least favorite thing about baseball.
4: And you can't go back. You can never go back and get those. Then he's been injured and up and down and mostly good since then. So, yeah, it's like he could have been... He could have lived on the legacy of that first year if they had just ran with him and won the World Series with Steven Strasburg, his, essentially his rookie year, but... Since then, it's all been lost potential, man.
0: Well, this year he's been doing pretty well. I mean, he's about to – Why be- are we
1: talking about Steven Strasburg? <laughs> <laughs> Is this the DC podcast or the Denver sports podcast? I
5: mean, I was just curious. I know. I've just had enough. I've he's had one enough. of the most <laughs> high-profile like top picks in baseball history over the last 10 years. You know, Both he and Harper, and they went to the same franchise. They won nothing together. Yeah, and man. he's essentially been their number two but I was just I was just curious from a baseball person because from my perspective, I thought, you know, great. I get to watch this guy's Hall of Fame career for the next 15 years, and instead it's just been kind of yeah. – he's, he's really good, but it's just like he's just another really good guy. I think he's what, probably
3: like John Wall, another D.C. athlete.
5: Yeah. Who Maybe just like
3: crazy goes crazy to DC a bad wall. franchise that's not really that well run and like right. they kind of have a couple competitive teams but never really, what I really get wanna, over the top.
1: What I really want to know is – is the Rockies' savior over yonder?
3: Over yonder, yonder, Alonso
4: called up today. The big—that's the, big, that's the uh, no, no, uh, no. It's not. Uh, but can he hit better than Mark Reynolds? Yes, he can. He, Pretty I, low bar uh, there. It's there. There you go. Hey, that's where they're looking for some improvement. Really low bar. That's you know, but. Offense hasn't really been the team's problem, but it was one place they could probably get a, a little more help for the club. I have no idea what his defense looks like at first base right now, which has just been bad all season for the Rockies anyway. So, no, I don't expect Yonder Alonso to, to be the savior of the Rockies. But if you stabilize their bullpen a little bit, the starters come out and pitch well, I think you do look at a more stable team where
3: you're going, hey, add a couple of relievers, maybe they do go on a run. Here, here's my here's my question for Drew. So here, here's my question for Drew. So you said the season is this four game set against the Nationals. Yeah. When's the trade deadline? The, the th- end of the month. Thirty first. So this yeah. series concludes before the trade deadline. Yeah. So say they lose three of these four. Yeah. Then does the chatter start to heat up? Because we already saw the Blackman thing come out today. So you know at least the Rockies will listen to some offers probably. Oh yeah. Do, and, does and it more noise immediately? come if they lose three or four
4: it should I I mean that's more or less the the premise behind me saying that as well it's like because if they lose the series you've got to sell you have to not Charlie Blackman I I still don't think that that makes any sense for them to do because they're still going to try to compete next year but uh, I do think guys like Murphy, Desmond, McGee, Shaw, Davis, there's a long list of guys you can get something for or maybe get out from underneath the contracts, you can get a little bit of value in, in some measure, and then still continue to build going into next year. And that would be the smartest thing for them to do. Do you trust Jeff Breidich if they get out from under all that money? Do you trust him to spend it wisely? See, that's part of the thing, right, is that his free agency history is not as good as his trade history. When you say all. not as good, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's god-awful. It's dude. bad. Uh, it's God- god-awful. Otto Parra, like, uh, Ian Desmond, Jake McGee, Wade all the contract, Davis. All the contracts you're talking Shaw. about him getting out from under, he the, signed. Yeah, that's correct. And he'd be, he'd be going and looking for the same – Problem. Right. Looking to solve the exact same problem he was two years ago. And Brian Shaw was one of the most reliable guys yeah. in, in all of baseball. So what's he going to do? The exact same thing?
1: Hold on, AJ. Uh, Jeff Bridish would say, you're not a brain surgeon, so don't tell him how to do brain <laughs> Well, he's, he's not a brain surgeon either. <laughs>
3: <laughs> is Jeff Bridish going to listen also, to this podcast? My whole thing <laughs> is,
1: <laughs> if, you, if you saw the comment, I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone's heard the comment from Jeff Bridish. My thing is, like, if I watched brain surgery every single day, I think I could eventually write a column about whether or not that brain surgery went well. Like, did the person survive or not? And that's the the thing with him. He's like, you can't judge baseball because you don't know. And I'm like, eh, we can kind of see that the decision you made wasn't good.
5: You know, they have a thing. They have a metric in sports where you can judge a performance, and it's called a win-loss record. (laughs) And uh, right now, Jeff Breidich, like, he gets, I guess, credit for the playoffs back-to-back years. Oh, he has but, to. But there's a legitimate, how much did he do with the building of that? How much did he do with the drafting of that? How much was he really involved? And how much is he currently involved as it becomes more and more his team and less and less of anything that Dan O'Dowd had to do with it? How much of it? How much of their problems fall squarely on him? Because the big thing with, with Breidich was that the Rockies were a team that didn't spend money. And then when they got the green light to start spending money, it got spent really poorly. Yeah. All of it. Right, right, that, that really right when that that party
3: deck money started flowing in. <laughs> well, you
4: know, it's funny because uh, you're right. At some point, you just have to look at the results and say these moves did not pan out. It's it's easier to say that in hindsight. We already kind of talked about the Brian Shaw thing. It's yeah. tough to say Jeff Brightich made a dumb move by bringing in a guy that, Everyone expected to be sure. Like you
5: can isolate Shaw, but there were all Davis already had walk problems. We already knew when he signed that deal that that was an issue. People were highly critical of Desmond at the time, right? Right. And and dead for all the reasons that have come to fruition in the in the life of that deal so far. And Jake McGee, we all knew, you know, was that felt like a one hit wonder? Yeah, that felt like a guy who regained the fastball just in time to be relevant enough to get paid, and then it's gone again. Yeah.
4: And 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 I will say this: I th- I think a lot of blame for where they're currently at goes on Jeff Bratich, but I also think he he gets just as much credit for the back-to-back postseason appearances. Yeah. And in defense of the the comment that Ryan was referring to, I I think he's right to say that a lot of the local media focused on the problems with the team during those postseason appearances, and the likelihood that Nolan Arenado was just gone—the foregone conclusion—and they were all wrong about that. And I, I think that's more. What he was kind of calling out there, uh, that there's been this need to see. And now that the Rockies are struggling, you see all these people coming out of the woodwork ready to go. Ah, we can bury these guys now. Same old, same old Rockies. Those two years were a fluke. Let's all get back to watching Broncos training camp. let talk think, about the fourth quarterback. Exactly. And I think that's baby. what, what Brightich was more referring to than, than people who actually show up and do watch. Like you said, watching brain surgery every day. You know, the people who really watch baseball every day and give a more nuanced look. Like, for example, the people who aren't out there going right now, oh, yeah, it makes sense to trade Charlie Blackman. That's the kind of stuff that drives him crazy. But the, he took a All shot. Right, wrap at it up.
1: Brian, like wrap it up. Like he like He's <laughs> taking a shot at you personally. I didn't interpret it that way, but you know. I did. And that's why I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. On
0: a more positive note, I'm going to cut you off, AJ. Which team has the best duo? We'll be talking that and more after the break. Tucked away from the city, Raccoon Creek is your go-to golf course. Their location in Littleton provides more than just a beautiful golfing experience. They have the perfect setting for year-round events with unbelievable views.
5: It's a fun place to, have to golf. It's a different atmosphere. And it's a really nice course. And it's fast greens. They have a good crew there, so it's always in good shape. They're having uh, comedy shows. They got like this really cool fire pit in the back now. It's changed a lot. There's a whole, whole new patio that has like the best views in Colorado, I think. You can just see the mountains, you see the golf course, you know, kind of like Cheers. Everybody knows your name and your handicap.
0: That was Todd. He's been golfing at Raccoon Creek for years now, and it's his favorite golf course in the area because of the environment that they've created. Raccoon Creek has embraced technology, adding golf board rentals to their course, as well as updating their golf carts to be equipped with GPS that provides score updates of sporting events and live scoring for outings and tournaments. They also have an app where you can schedule tee times, receive happy hour specials, and stay up to date on all of their upcoming events. Download their app today and receive a free bucket of balls, or check them out online at raccooncreek.com. Welcome back to the show. We are now going to discuss which team has the best duo. Since I cut you off earlier AJ, I'm going to start with you. What's the duo for the Avs?
5: I mean, it's it's almost tough to pick. Yeah. I th- I think 3 years from now it'll it'll be really really difficult to pick one uh, because you're going to have Byram and McCarr. Mm-hmm. and then I mean, in no slight to Gerard who you could put Gerard and McCar today, but I mean, it's got to be McKinnon and Ranton in. Yeah. Like they're both they're both really, really, really young. And arguably Miko's still three or four years away from like the heart of his prime. And he's put up back to back eighty point seasons in, in his second and third years in the league. I mean, he's he's already one of the premier right wings in the game. Nathan McKinnon's a top five center in the game. They're both under twenty five years old. It's it's fine. Like the the abs are in really, really good hands there.
1: What is their ceiling? this year. Like could they be you said top 5 and top 5? Is that or top 5 and top 10? Was it for wingers and centers? Uh
5: is there ceiling
1: like both being in the top 3?
5: Yeah.
0: Do you is see rant- that actually yeah. happening this
5: year? Uh has got tougher competition. Okay. Um McKinnon's already there. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's really like it's it's like McDavid uh and and McKinnon and Maybe Crosby, maybe a handful of other guys, but McKinnon is solidly in the top five.
1: Is is Rantanen a household name no.
5: in hockey yet? Not at all.
1: So that's the step for him.
5: Yeah, well, and for one, it's tough. It's tough to be a household name when you're a wing. Uh, you you just don't get the same kind of you know gravitas. You have to be really, really special, like Alex Ovechkin. Mm. You know, Johnny Gaudreau is coming off of a 99 point season, and it's like, yeah, Johnny Gaudreau's really good. But you wouldn't like if you're building a franchise, which we're going to do this weekend, like you're not taking him ahead of most senders, you know, and Rantanen's not that kind of household name either, especially because so many people think that he's completely reliant on McKinnon for his success, and it's a It's an absolutely asinine argument because mm. neither neither guy is going anywhere, so it doesn't matter. Oh, it's like Brady and Belichick, yeah, it doesn't matter, like oh if you if you could separate them, would they still be successful? I don't know. Who cares? We're never going to find out. So <laughs> it's irrelevant to spend any time on that conversation. So, but um, if you were to spend some time on that
1: conversation, well, what do you think?
5: Well, I, I McKinnon's, there are very few players in the NHL that drive play the way that Nathan McKinnon does. Uh, he led the NHL in shots on goal last year. Uh, he's a completely unique and dominant force all on his own. Trying to trying to separate his right wing, his like full time right wing from him, and be like, oh well, what is this guy like falling his way into eighty points? Well then, how come Gabe Landeskog doesn't have eighty points? Mm. You know, if it's that easy, yeah. if it's if Miko Rantanen's not in any way special on his own, why is it? Why why did it take getting Miko for the for for McKinnon's breakout to happen in the first place? So. I think it's just two two unique talents that bring out the absolute best in each other. Um personality-wise, on the ice, off the ice, they're they're dominant together and trying to split them up and and measure their merits on their own is it's just a waste of time because they're not going anywhere.
0: So I just googled Miko Rantanen to see some stats from last year and 3 hours ago a Story posted Is Miko Rantanen Considering the KHL.
5: No a so this, this happened because a KHL Reporter put a tweet out there this week That the team that the KHL team That acquired his rights Did so and were preparing to Offer him a one year deal for four million Dollars
1: how did they acquire his rights
5: Well all the all the players they get Drafted in the KHL draft most most NHL players have their rights owned by some KHL team so if they ever mm-hmm. Wanted to go to the KHL it's not Free agency for them um, and so this team and, – and the reporter also put it out there that there's no escrow and taxes are only 13%, as if to say, well, he'll make more of the 4000000 million. He'll take home more of the $4 million than he would of the $9 million the abs are going to give him. Like
1: – Why does the
5: KHL sound
1: like a – Evil Empire.
5: It kind of is, man. It's <laughs> run by it's run by shady Russian oil tycoons. Oh, and that's kinda how I just pictured like, it in my head without knowing anything it's, about well, it. Well, and that's that's exactly what it is. Like those dudes have money to spend, so they have hockey teams and they, they run a super shady league that has been in serious financial straits over the last several years. And the stories there's actually a great, it's a fascinating piece. Uh former NHL player Ryan Whitney played over there. And he tells the story about how he used to get paid and uh, they would give him they would pay him in cash in like a brown bag or like a trash bag. It's oh, incredible. And like like every like Russian stereotype that you can imagine, that you can conjure up. Yeah. It's not too crazy. They should make These a movie. Things, they, no, they I was going to
3: say just from that, I would watch a 30 for 30 on exactly. the KHL. hundred
5: like percent. 30 for 30 on the KHL and what it's like, especially for non-Russian players. Because culturally, like Russian players are like, Yeah, this is dope. <laughs> I'm from here, this is what I know, this is what I'm comfortable with. Now I've got a bunch of money. I'm very right. comfortable
3: getting paid in brown bags. All right. right. Of like or
5: you know, you get paid once a month instead of every week and then, you know, it they, they give they give it to you in a trash bag and you got all of it and you're like Great, now I hope that they didn't also hire some dude to come break my legs in the parking lot and take their money back. Sounds like college basketball. Oh wow. It's, it's insane. Like it's wow. it's a, it's a completely <laughs> crazy environment. So no, he's not going to the KHL. Not barring something like something astronomically unlikely. So it's on the table. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, yeah. I, I mean, the contract me. offer is sitting there in Siberia if he wants to fly over there to sign it. Ooh. All you, Miko.
0: All right, Harrison, we'll move on to you. Who's who, What duo do you got?
5: So obviously it would include
3: Nicole Jokic, and I feel like it would include Jamal Murray as well. And I, the argument is probably based on what happened last season because those two were really – like at 24, Jokic, and 22 years old, Murray, they were really like the leading force in helping Denver get the second seed in the West. Like, I feel like this the season didn't end that long ago, and people already forget that Nuggets were the second seed in the West and really were jostling with the Warriors all season for the number one spot. But with all the injuries Denver had, like Will Barton missed a ton of time, Gary Harris missed a ton of time, Paul Millsap missed a ton of time. Murray and Jokic were the two constant forces And it it really might have been kind of a blessing in disguise because within the season, like those two were really forced to like develop this crazy pick and roll chemistry, which I think will really help going forward. And I don't know if that's developed if everybody is healthy for the whole year. And the Nuggets obviously paid Jamal Murray this summer or are going to pay him. Like he is that number two guy next to Nikola Jokic and... Like, I think going forward, at their age and with what they did last year and the playoff experience they got, I mean, the sky's the limit for those two.
0: First of all, their relationship is so cute. The way they talk about each other (laughs) is so funny. But because of all those injuries during the season, did you see a lot of growth and maturity from both of those guys this year?
3: Oh, for sure. I mean, from both of them, Um, especially – I'd I'd say Jamal Murray, like he took a big step this year. He was inconsistent at times, but I mean, he flashed the, the all-star ceiling, the, the all-star potential that a lot of people think he has. And even Nikola Jokic, like he looked like the number one option on a championship team this year. And I don't think you could say that last year, but like this year he took over games, you know, he raised his game to another level in the playoffs where a lot of people were wondering if he had that extra gear
5: that that was my concern with
3: him was yeah. that
5: i i thought jokic was their best player and murray was their alpha and we don't see that succeed in the nba very often mm-hmm. it's usually the same guy and then you get to the playoffs this year and it felt like jokic was like well i have to be the man now i'm the man and he right. just did it
1: is he capable of that every night can he do that for 82 games or 80 games with or 75 games with load management and then do it again in the playoffs
3: like, can he average twenty six, thirteen, and eight, nine. eight and a half, nine every <laughs> night? Probably not. But nobody, but can nobody do, can. Right. he did it for how many <laughs> games though in the playoffs? I mean, for fourteen.
1: Four. If you could do it for fourteen, at the I mean, end of I mean, the season, why can't you do it for?
3: Because 70? if you, if you're, well, he also played. You know, way more minutes per game during the postseason than the regular season.
1: Like, if you're trying. The crazy thing is, it didn't wear on him. Like, right after that what was it quadruple overtime yeah after that game 60 minutes. he plays 60 minutes and you're like oh man he's going to be so you know lazy the next game he comes out and just balls yeah
3: but i mean well, if if you're playing 38 39 minutes a game during the regular season that's going to catch up to you yeah
0: yeah we also expected that from jokic just seeing his performance throughout the regular season there was times where he would come out and he shot three times and made two baskets one game. Like that immaturity, which is why I asked you that question, was really frustrating. So it came natural for fans to kind of expect Jokic to play that many minutes and then kind of take – cool down the next game. And
1: that's what – seeing him do that is what, you know, makes people think he could be an MVP. But he has to be able to do it. Uh If he can show up like that every game, then, you know, it's over.
3: Yeah. Well, I think he can have a pretty similar year to what he did last year and win the MVP next year to to be quite honest. like Denver, I think, would probably have to win the West for him to win MVP, but that's on the table next season.
1: Who's the last Denver sports athlete to win an MVP?
3: Well, it was nobody on the Nuggets, I'll tell yeah, you that.
1: Nuggets <laughs> never gone. Vaughn?
5: Did, Mac was second. Did Larry
1: Walker win one of
4: 97.
5: One? Vaughn, I mean, Vaughn's Vaughn. Super Bowl MVP, um, yeah. but that isn't...
1: So TD, gotta be the last one. Yeah.
5: There, uh, there's a couple of
1: Rockies that should have won it. Holiday should have won
5: Forsberg it. Forsberg won MVP in 2001. Yep. Yeah, Holiday
4: should have won in 2007. Right. Yeah. Then Actually, Charlie then Blackman, Blackman, Blackman should have won year. a couple
5: of years ago. Yeah. One yeah. well, McKinnon was second two years ago because five East Coast oh. riders left him off ballots entirely.
1: Didn't Peyton win it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh.
5: Who? Pey- oh, Peyton. Oh, yeah, Danny? that, that season that he had. Yeah, oh, that yeah. one
1: time where he had the best season by a quarterback ever, that was the one. Yeah. Whoops.
0: Harrison, do you want to know why I came up with this topic to talk about today?
1: Why is that, Allie?
0: Because my brothers sent me a bunch of graphics of I grew up in Philly for everyone who doesn't Mm -hmm. know that of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons compared to Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic Mm -hmm. and which one you would rather have and which one was better. So I was like, oh, this will be a good conversation to have on the
3: pod. I mean, it's obviously. I think everybody everybody in this room is a better three-point shooter than Ben Simmons. (laughs)
1: definitely. Yeah, and yeah. in
3: my book availability is the best ability. And Joel Embiid is going to have question marks around his durability throughout the entirety of his career. And Jokic, nobody talks about this, is a freaking Iron Man.
2: Yeah. The
3: only games that guy missed last year, he played 80 regular season games and we just talked about how durable he was in the playoffs. He was suspended for that game, that crap suspension that they oh gave him God. in the oh in the middle part God. of the year. That
2: was <laughs> terrible. And then the
3: Nuggets rested everybody in that second to last regular season game. That's it. He played in every other game. Wow. Yep. So and he basically didn't sit in a game. I think it's because he's he has an a, Iron Man.
1: I think he has like a thick layer of protection that goes all <laughs> over his whole body.
3: <laughs> well, funny funny story <laughs> about this. Um, I asked Greg Popovich a question about Nikola Jokic. In the playoffs last year, in the first round, I think it was before game six. And I think I phrased it, you know, like, are you surprised just how comfortable Jokic has looked here in his first playoff appearance? And Popovich had a great answer. And then he said something at the end to the tune of, man, I hope he never gets in the weight room or or, or something like that. Mm. And I don't know if you guys saw that ESPN article that came out about how once, like, the injuries in basketball right now and by the time guys get to the league like their bodies are breaking down Mm -hmm. like the injuries in the NBA are crazy right now but I think there's something to be said for I don't know if it's the European style or whatnot but you know these guys aren't lifting weights and trying to bench press 200 pounds at 13 years old And, and I wonder if just like the way he was brought up and you know, his body now makes him more durable.
1: It makes, I mean, that makes sense. And yeah. it also makes sense, like, there's a lot of studies coming out of that. The muscle development in superior <laughs> athletes is outgrowing the joints and the tendons and all that stuff. That's why you're seeing so many ACLs and Achilles and all this stuff is because these guys are becoming such, fr- like, the, the explosion is so freakish that the rest of your body can't, you know, um, keep up with it. Jokic isn't exactly explosive.
3: (laughs) But the thing about Jokic is, like, he never falls down, (laughs) you know? That's true. Every time, like, Joel Embiid probably, there was actually an article, Chris Herring on 538, (laughs) wrote an article about how Joel Embiid, uh, I think he falls down more than any other player. And Jokic never falls down. Every time you see him on the floor, you're like,
1: whoa, that's, like, weird. And if Embiid's shoulder hits the floor, it fell six and a half feet. Yeah. Right.
0: All right, Drew, we're just going to keep going around the table. Who are your duo? Who is your duo?
4: So I'm actually going to take – Nolan's the obvious pick. You have to take Nolan Arenado He's one of the best players in Major League Baseball. They've signed him to what could potentially be a long-term deal or a little bit shorter-term deal if they don't get it together. But Nolan is the obvious pick. The the only argument here is whether or not you're going to go with Charlie Blackman or Trevor Story. I think a lot of people would want to go with Story because – He's the better all-around player. He's younger. You've got Quite that kind of duo. But I'm actually going to go with Charlie Blackman. And the ah, reason for out. it is – We need Rockies writer. The <laughs> writer. Where's Patrick? Get him in here. Yeah, I know, right? He definitely would have taken story. No, I, I mean, I would totally understand going that way. But the thing for me is this. The most difficult thing to do in baseball is to be consistent – do it for a long time we're just talking about the career of steven strasberg and all of this potential that never ended up coming to fruition there are a ton of those stories are guys who were on top of the mountain like tim lincecum and then in the middle of their 20s just became like couldn't get a job for no no injury nothing it's just baseball sometimes happens to you that way so while i still think that it's very likely trevor story is going to have a phenomenal career Guy's a franchise shortstop. He has all the tools. He runs the bases better. His defense is more valuable than Charlie Blackman's, especially at this stage in his career. His position's more valuable in every way imaginable. <laughs> That's all great, but the most difficult thing to do in baseball and the most difficult thing to do in all of sports and the most valuable thing to do in baseball, hit. And Charlie Blackman can hit. He can always hit. Even last year, when he wasn't very good on, in a way down year for his career, hit around three hundred. Slugged almost 30 home runs or maybe even over. I'm try- I don't have the numbers. I think he was at 29 last year. I'd have to double check that. But
5: How many did the story hit last year? A lot.
4: A lot. But Trevor's story also still strikes out
0: home runs. too much. I've got that stat right uh, here. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah you can find
4: some home run numbers for us.
0: All right. In 2018, he had 37 home runs. Whew.
4: That's really good for a shortstop record pace too. Fastest, not youngest, but fastest to 100 for a shortstop. The two things I worry about most with Trevor Story are the strikeout rate. He It's still the most valuable thing is getting the ball in play, especially this day and age. And the injuries. Uh, availability is the best ability. And he's had some issues staying on the field over the years. He, you mentioned he plays... The most valuable defensive position is also a very demanding one. And we saw what it did over the course of the career to Trevor Story. And I don't think that uh, I'm sorry, to Troy Tulowitzki. I don't think that Trevor Story is gonna be able to continue to have his speed be a huge factor. He's got to take advantage of it while he can. But the thing for me That's something
5: Blackman already lost.
4: I know, but the thing is he doesn't need it because he doesn't strike out near as much. He gets on base at a much better rate, he puts the ball in play. At a much better rate, he doesn't go in these big, long slumps like Trevor Story might disappear on you for a couple of weeks and then he'll come back and hit six home runs the next week. But Charlie Blackman almost never goes into slumps. But I think the biggest thing in favor of Blackman is actually sort of the meta conversation, which is the beard, but in obviously a more (laughs) elaborate way of putting it, it's he is a symbol of the Colorado Rockies. He's an all timer already. He is one of the greatest members of the franchise in history. He's well known. he's the reason why you're getting him on the mic in the all-star game is Charlie Blackman because he's got personality. Love Trevor's story to death, but he's really, really boring. Uh, (laughs) Charlie Blackman is the opposite of boring. That guy is always interesting. He's a character. The kids love him. There were people lined up around the block to get his bobblehead the other day, sell out for a game in in the middle of this terrible stretch, 47,000 people back, Pat Coors Field, to get a a Charlie Blackman bobblehead. Did you get one of those? I did not actually. Uh, I did not pick up. We really one of needed those. one of those
1: in this office. I, I
4: think. I don't know if Patrick got one. I'll see if he did. I'll see if I can hunt one you down. He think can probably of keep, keep team, his. I know. Drew. I know.
1: <laughs> I think you make a fair argument. The only thing is that argument makes you pretty much automatically lose this debate. Yeah. <laughs> just because the I just just because I don't think the ceiling is as high, and, and and I don't mean that you know like, Charlie's great, Nolan is great. But because you can envision Trevor's story getting better, I think if you had picked Trevor, he can, you know, that that group can kind of jump into the pantheon here of okay, these guys are have the caliber of being two top five players in the sport at the same time. Yeah, I mean, if and Trevor I don't think I think that's happened with them before.
2: I'm gonna say
4: we're two years removed from Charlie Blackman and Nolan Arenado literally being two of the top but, five players in the yeah, next But you can we're, tell we're the difference, difference between those two
1: years. I mean, Charlie doesn't look the same.
4: Charlie's me. actually he having a
1: just as, he hits. Just yeah, as I was well. gonna
4: say he's actually having a better season at the plate right now than he did that year. And Nolan Arenado's still Nolan Arenado. The thing I think the, the the biggest issue is that Charlie Blackman looks. So so much worse defensively. And, and yeah. it's not just that he looks so much worse defensively. He's been worse defensively. But that just matters so much less in baseball, especially once you stick him out there in right field. When you hit the way he does, it's just what you do at the plate weighs so much more heavily than what you do out there in the field, or even your ability. Like he's still a good base runner. He's not stealing bags anymore, but he's still a smart, good base runner. So
1: If you were starting a baseball team... To start a season right now, would you choose those two guys to
4: start one season right, right. now? Like those the season's starting
1: right now, and you are you get your first you get the fr- you get your first two picks of anyone on the Rockies to play this season. Are you is that yeah? You stick with those two. Yeah,
4: yeah, I'm sticking with those two. You don't the have to worry th- about age, right? Right, if I don't, it don't it have to worry about season. his age.
5: You mm-hmm. can find a lot of quality outfielders. You're, we
4: said on the Rockies, though. Yeah,
5: but, and <laughs> what I'm saying, what I'm saying, is I guess all like you, you, know, you have to fill out the guys, rest of your roster with other
1: players. Yeah, honestly. you
5: already have another All-Star outfielder. You know, you do. You, do you have another All-Star shortstop sitting around? Like you, you, you're dreaming on Brendan Rodgers, like, and you can say, hey, the, you know, the, the kid would be great. Well, that great, and this but, is muddying right. the conversation. But like, like, no one in the story. If I'm, if you're, if you're telling me you could only pick two players to start a season it's no one in story
1: because you could have 70 home runs right there
5: and you're gonna have you're gonna have world-class defense which sure and it's not as important in baseball overall but to have the entire left side of your defense locked down at the at two extremely valuable positions yeah defensively to get the highest caliber of defense and then to also get world-class production offensively this doesn't even feel like an argument. Yeah. He's just missed
4: a lot of games. He's only in the fourth year of his career. He's missed a
3: lot of games. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a wart. If uh, we were having this discussion last year, would a pitcher be on that? see? could have gone Marquez
1: and Freeland to say The year. brutal right. thing is, that's Valor. what about I was thinking. A year
4: ago, Marquez and Freeland would have been shoe-ins because nah. the Rockies have always had star position players forever. Mm-hmm. Always, and we and we could have had this debate between Vinny Castilla and Larry Walker and Todd Helton at some point, and you know you got to take Walker and Helton, but in any given season you might be looking at Castilla going, well, I don't know, the guy's raking, you know, but never with pitching. And a year ago, I would have hoped that we could have been sitting here talking about Marquez and Freeland, and maybe a year from now we will be because that's more exciting. That means so yeah. much more to the Rockies if they get that stuff locked down. And obviously, Freeland being the Denver guy, you start to run away with it. It should have been.
1: Nolan Arnato and Kyle Freeland.
0: Ryan, let's move on to you. Broncos, best duo.
1: There's a couple options you could go with here. Um, for me, I like the dynamic of these two guys. So it's got to be Vaughn and Chubb, especially because they are a duo. You know, like they play off each other. They can help each other be better. Obviously, Vaughn is the only person in this conversation that has a championship. Uh, he also has a Super Bowl MVP, which gives him a lot to hang his hat on and then Chubb damn near broke the rookie sack record last year like I don't think people necessarily appreciate just how good Bradley Chubb is in this town especially because he's being put next to Von Miller like when you put anyone up next to Von Miller it's gonna be hard to look as good as Bradley Chubb really is but based on the people I've talked to there's belief within the organization that as soon as this year, Bradley Chubb could have a better year than Von Miller.
5: Okay. Fully expect that to happen,
1: and that is crazy to think. Uh, and you go back to Von Miller's second season in the NFL. He went from having 11 sacks to 18 and a half. Well, Chubb had 12 and a half last year. If he can make a similar jump, or 12, if he can make a similar jump, we're talking about Chubb, you know, flirting with 20 sacks, which would be wild. But those two together. Very well could, and, and you could maybe even make the case, should be the best pass rush duo in the NFL this year. And because pass rush, in my opinion, is the second most important thing to a football team,
5: that duo right there is is so, so valuable. Yeah. True facts. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. Well, because they don't have a quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like 100%, those two guys are the most valuable thing that's going to keep them scary, dangerous. You have have to game plan against them in a way that you really don't have to against almost any other NFL team.
1: Yeah. uh, Even before it was Chubb, I remember a game two years ago when it was just Vaughn and Shaq and Shane, and the Chargers just decided they were going to double chip almost every single pass play. And their offense couldn't do anything because they only had two guys out there doing anything Mm because they they they're using all of their assets just to block the broncos pass rushers that's what a lot of teams are going to have to do this year you add that in with the fact that the secondary looks just fantastic early on in camp and it's like okay now you can start to see them having the makings of that team and i don't want to compare them to the 2015 defense just because 2015 defense is one of the best of all time it was a special defense but you have the makings all of a sudden okay you have this elite pass rush you have an elite secondary with Vic Fangio as your elite defensive coordinator, you kind of have those, those makings there. So you could have gone Vaughn and Chris Harris because Chris is more proven uh, than Bradley at this point. But I like having the the veteran, the young guy. You know, you don't quite know what the ceiling is for Bradley Chubb. If he does make that leap, This this group could be really special.
3: How much can Vic Fangio elevate pass rushing? Like, can having a coach with such a defensive – resume like, like he does really elevate
1: them it's it's more about freeing, Mac, yo. <laughs> yeah it, 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 it's more about freeing them up in different ways um with joe woods he kind of just like looked at what what wade phillips did and was just like cool we're just gonna do that just send them you know mm-hmm. go man to man just send these guys off the edge with fangio it's much more about tricking the quarterback um messing with the offensive line's heads making them think a little bit more um There was a play the other day in practice where both vaughn and chubb came off the left side of the offensive line on a stunt and it gave bradley chubb a, a head start running into dalton reisner and you you know you give bradley chubb a head start going into dalton Reisner, and he takes one false step and bradley chubb is by him and so it's like fangio is going to free these guys up in different ways by mixing them around by you know, making the quarterback think for one more second because he thought he was seeing one coverage and then they switched it at the last second. Um, I don't know how much he can just coach them into being better players. He certainly thinks he can coach Han into being a better player, which if that happens, you know, watch out. But in terms of the scheme, like you said, look at Khalil Mack. I mean, he, you know, freed him up to do so many things and, and become more of a playmaker.
0: How has Chubb been doing during training camp so far?
1: He's so good he's just uh, uh, really good really good um <laughs> really, he's yeah. been one of the most impressive players out there to me um it's it's i don't know it's hard to see because they aren't allowed to sack the quarterback yeah so you never know okay well he was there but was he really there w- w- what would you have gotten but i mean you could name anyone on the front 7 and this probably isn't good news for the offensive line but if you name yeah. anyone <laughs> on the front 7 i'm going to tell you they're having a great camp because they are living in the backfield at this point.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, is the Nuggets O-line any good? Does that well, make the these Nuggets guys don't have line o- <laughs> <no>, the, Bron- <laughs> the Broncos O-line any good? Talking in a this? Lot of sports. Does this make the Broncos' pass rush look a lot better?
1: That's <laughs> You never know. Like, last year, we're thinking Keenum. Bulls helping. Right, right. Last year, we're thinking, like, oh, my God, Keenum looks amazing. Right. What we learned is that, oh, the Broncos' secondary isn't very good. True. Like, that's what we learned during last season. This season, maybe it's the other way around. Like, we're thinking, oh, God, the offense looks terrible. It turns out the defense is just amazing. You never know in training camp, it's the hardest thing about evaluating it.
0: All right, as always, be sure to let us know who you guys think is the best duo. But before we get on to your favorite segment, I've got to tell you about Total Bev's incredible 30% off deal. Total Bev is giving the BSN fam 30% off your purchase of $25 or more. Use the code BSN2019 online or on the Total Beverage app. Download that today. As you may or may not know, Total Bev delivers to most of the metro area from Lakewood to Boulder and Aurora to Brighton. And they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they now offer CBD products. That's right. From drinks to gummies, you can enjoy CBD products on your next visit. Don't let this offer pass you by. Order today and receive 30% off your purchase of $25 or more. And better yet, don't leave the comfort of your own home. Cheers, everyone. This may be my favorite part of the show. Who won the week? Last week, we had a great discussion and we... Tweeted out a poll for you guys to get let us know who you thought won the week and be an avalanche one.
5: Get, yeah. get, I mean, get, get ready for a lot of that this year. Oh, <laughs> oh, wow. the podcast. oh. it'll
1: be kind of like our podcast uh, s- promo code sales how we're undefeated. You're gonna try and com- compete with that? Sure. All right,
5: all right. Well, that's that's fine.
0: With that, the Broncos were surprisingly. Second place. Yeah,
1: nothing surprising for about the that. for the existence <laughs> for
0: just existing. So uh, the Aves won. I for think it was
1: ba- 100% based off my argument. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. That, that they exist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All
0: right. The Avs had Jared Bednar extending his contract. Broncos was just existing. The fact that training <laughs> camp was starting. It was that training
1: camp was starting, and the Rockies were were floundering.
0: <laughs> Drew had a lot of different uh. takes. He really threw everything out there as to what it could possibly. Anything good that the Rockies were doing.
4: Leaving myself no options for this week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Harrison had the Nuggets signing Jeremy Grant. So it went 50% BSN Avalanche, 18% BSN Broncos, 17% BSN Nuggets, and the Rockies Mm. had 15% of the votes. We had 389 people vote on that poll. That
1: was a barn burner for Mm -hmm. second place. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Drew's got to take a naked lap because he (laughs) can't (laughs) <laughs> oh, I,
4: I love each and every one of you who voted for the Rockies <laughs> and will do so again. This well, week. the
5: funny part is, is that all of us at this table voted for the Nuggets. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. no, well, Ryan didn't. No, I, I
1: always don't. vote for myself.
0: But uh, Ryan didn't advertise brutal. the poll at all.
1: I didn't have anything Broncos to like advertise. <laughs> Rob it in. I was just like, uh, I did a thing. I think what we're all waiting for is to see how Drew does this again. So, so uh, Drew, let's start
3: we'll with start. you. I can't let's wait for start. next week and the week after <laughs> and, <laughs> and the week after and the week after. So,
4: what had happened was, <laughs> so look, the, the, the Rockies probably did not win the week, but I'll tell you who did for the Rockies, and this could be a thing, was Armand Marquez coming off the absolute worst start of his career like kid hit rock bottom I was standing there in the clubhouse afterwards I was 50 50 on whether or not I should tweet out that he had tears coming out of his eyes but I thought it was a human moment I thought it was a real moment and and I saw determination in there and I expected him to come out angry and he did he pitched seven innings giving up just three hits in a joke of a ballpark in New York and I only mentioned that because he gave up two home runs That literally went 330 feet, like into the front row, jam shot nonsense with juiced balls. And one of them was on the very first home run or very first uh, pitch he threw in the game to everyone's friend, DJ LeMahieu. But he went seven innings, gave up three hits, two little league home runs after the worst outing of his career. So while there weren't a lot of positive signs, this young man still remains a a part of the Rockies' future in any conceivable way, whether it's them getting back on track this year or, or in, in just through the next couple of years. And you needed to see him bounce back like that. You, you don't want to see Herman Marquez unravel. That could mean that the team's in an even bigger hole than a lot of people think right now. And, and so big picture-wise, that was probably the best sign they could have gotten this week other than Kyle Freeland doing the exact same thing.
0: All right. Well, we'll exp- really quick
4: just about uh, that ballpark. <laughs> how does yeah, Coors Field? It's three fourteen to right field. What the hell, dude? The
1: the grand slam that free gave up was yeah, a flip bat. Slip. Like that yep. should have been like a looper into left field. Yeah. I mean, give Incarnacio uh, credit for being ripped, sure. and just being able to flip the bat out there. But at Coors Field, that wouldn't have been a home run, right?
4: Oh, absolutely. So it-
1: how does like that narrative about Coors get so big when? the biggest market with the biggest baseball team and the most famous team ever has more of a joke park.
5: Well, because they have park factors and things like that, right? And Coors Field has shown statistically to be the most offensively inclined ballpark of all time. It gives you more hits, but But, not more home runs. Right. That's the thing is that it's the spacious outfield. It's not a 314-foot wall. Right. It's insane to watch, man. The other
4: problem with that is that the Yankees can afford to buy the absolute best pitcher's In the Mm. world and if it doesn't work one season you get rid of those guys you buy a whole bunch of new dudes the next year and you figure it out that they've got an army of mercenaries with James Paxton and CeCe Sabathia. all these people are paying huge money who came from other people's organizations and they can do that and that impacts your park factors because it's determined by how many runs are scored at your park and one thing that really doesn't help that is when Rockies pitchers go out there and leave stuff over the middle of the plate and get lit up throughout their entire history they haven't had very good pitching and that's what part of the reason why it looks like coors field is giving up all those runs it's not all coors field some of that is the fact that the rockies have historically had bad pitching and really good hitting so it looks like an offensive environment even more and it is one but it Looks more than it is because they haven't had very good pitching.
1: It's because
5: Jeremy Guthrie
1: was their ace, right?
5: They had years where <laughs> Kyle, for like a month, it <laughs> was so bad that they were like a season. Bye. Well, for
4: half a season until they put him into Did the bullpen. Jamie
1: Moore pitching in that same season.
4: I don't know if that was the same year or not. Forty-nine-year-old Jamie Moyer pitched half a season of starts for the Rockies. Kyle Kendrick was their opening-day starter. Oh, oh, yeah. One yeah, of Andrews those was, years. God,
1: that was glorious. And I like remember. Jamie Moyer going on the mound and being like, well, we've got a better chance to win with He's this guy Jamie than some Moyer. Of these other guys.
4: I remember Mark Stout interviewing him after the game because they were the same age. Mm-hmm. And that being like this. <laughs> wait, he, what?
1: He also got an infield hit and became the oldest player to ever get a hit yep. in Major League history. Oh my God. Yeah.
4: This was a bunch of weird... All-time Major League Baseball records that the Rockies <laughs> hold because 49-year-old Jamie Moyer. Played because for they him. have never had good pitches. <laughs> exactly. So like, yeah, that that
5: that's a factor there,
1: right? Like it's hard to hit the ball one foot off some of those Yankees pitchers, which helps their park. That Encarnacion
5: thing was. Uh, was stupid. I rolled my <laughs> eyes so hard when that happened, and I was like, I'm doing something else with my day because this is just gonna make me mad. If not, Free would have had a good start. Exactly. Yeah, like it was a good change-up, too. Like he yeah. just flips the bat head out there, and you know he gets a little bit of hold of it and then they put up all the the stat cast numbers and they were like oh 364 feet and i was Ugh. like in no world was that 364 that sign that <laughs> guy even... in the front row caught it in front of us at 314 <laughs> it's just... we like, he was in the front row like there's not 50 feet there get <laughs> out of here with
4: this should be embarrassed to have 314 written on your outfield
1: Ooh. wall oh my god was... there's mm. softball fields in Colorado, that are mm. deeper than three fourteen to left.
3: I want to actually look into that more. How is it three forty four when it
1: landed at? Yeah, 314?
3: I have I have no I idea. I think those are projected
5: distance. because of the yeah. height yeah. of the fence. They yeah. were giving and him I one bounce. It? Yeah. yeah, it was like, what is this? In it was like one of the only insightful things that the Rockies broadcast managed to actually mention because they were like, yeah, I'm not sure how that that that, that was three sixty four. And I was like, no, no kidding. <laughs> There's no way. The guy in the front row caught the ball. Yeah.
0: I feel like this park debate, we could talk for hours. Oh. So let's move on to Harrison. I didn't give you a timer this week because, oh, you yeah. know, there All was All I said was Hermann
4: <laughs> Marquez wasn't terrible, I think. we.
3: What, what was Mar- Marquez's <laughs> line in that game? Seven innings, two runs, three hits. To be fair, that'll though, do. I mean, after, that'll do. That's a QS, a quality yeah. start. Yeah. That's, yeah. Like, like, that's a baseball stat. Yeah, yeah I know, <laughs> there right?
5: There <you> we go, Harrison. <laughs> he got one war Had for a baby. that.
3: Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. The, the
5: Rockies were the only team this week, to, the, this week to actually win a game. There you go. That's oh, true. that should have been One a bit. Their case. And, so, and they beat That's the very best used.
4: team in baseball. Mm-hmm. So, I also lost to them twice in completely yeah. non-competitive Look, games. Am I, oh, oh, you're, <laughs> you're helping. <irrelevant>. You're relevant. <laughs> <in? laughs>
5: Just take the help.
0: <laughs> okay, so I'm changing this up. Last week I gave you 90 seconds, but you guys all finished your arguments in less than 90 seconds. So we're going to make it a little harder. I'm going to give you 60 seconds.
3: All right. All right. I know, right?
0: (laughs) All right, Harrison, why did the Nuggets win the week?
3: Well, Nuggets had zero things happen this week. (laughs) The preseason schedule came out today, so I could talk about that. Um, No, but I'm going to go a little off the wall, so stay with me. But Nikola Jokic officially became a superstar this week, guys. Mm. He officially became a superstar. I don't know if you saw, there was a video on Twitter circulating. So one minute and 48 second video got kind of tossed around NBA Twitter, tossed around Nuggets Twitter compilation of all of Nikola Jokic's stupid fouls and frustration fouls from last year. You only get those videos made if you're a superstar. (laughs) Remember the video of James Harden just falling asleep on the defensive end of the floor or LeBron James, not playing any defense with Cleveland. You only get those videos named or made if, a certain fan base has a bone to pick Ten with you, seconds. and you're a superstar. So, Nikola Jokic became a superstar this week. I thought you idea. were going to
1: say, like, Wale mentioned him in a freestyle or <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's the, that's the other way to become a uh, superstar. Like, a rapper mentions you and their He'd probably mistake. accidentally call him Yusef Nurkic. <laughs> oh, God. oh my God.
0: So, it seems like this week, it's not what team won the week, it's which players won the week. Because we got Herman Marquez, we've got Nikola Jokic, AJ, Ryan, who wants to go first?
1: I'll go. Uh, the Broncos won the week because they exit No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I think Vic Fangio won the week. This guy comes in um, with so much freaking confidence. Like you see, you usually see a first year head coach, and and I'll admit I've only seen one first year head coach on an NFL podium, and it was Vance Joseph, and he was not prepared for that. But usually with these first year guys, they they're walking on thin ice coming in. Vic Fangio walks in the door. He says, this is how I do things. Here's how we're going to do it. He stands up there on the podium every day and says something that makes a ton of sense and why he's doing something and how he's attacking things. Um, I think he's winning over the media. He's winning over the fans. And above all, he has a defense out there right now that looks scary. Uh, Extremely dangerous. Like I mentioned, the best duo out there. Uh, He's got Bryce Callahan, who I think is going to be a star, and... So Vic Fangio, with a mix of all of that, won the week this week. I think he's starting to become a, a person that people stop. really like.
0: <laughs> you were so close to. I got it. All
1: yeah. No.
4: Yeah. Right. It's July. Uh, I mean,
3: they 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 existed again. I like Vic Fangio because he's just super interesting to me. Yeah. yeah. He's so old school. Yeah. I kind of. Well, love in a it. world
5: where everybody's like, we've got to go with these high-powered offenses, and it's got to be the cutting edge of this. The Broncos were like, "We're gonna get this really old defensive guy, and we're gonna do, we're gonna completely go against the grain of the entire league." Yeah, which is how you start the trend that everybody ends up following in two years, and, um, maybe even one year. My favorite
1: thing is that he's just not down with BS. Like yesterday, he's asked, "Coach, what do you want your culture to be?" Here? Oh, I'm glad you brought this up, and he goes. Culture is kind of a new word in the sporting vernacular. Culture to me is about getting a bunch of good players and then a bunch of good coaches and then we win a bunch of games and then everyone's happy. So <laughs> we have good culture. It's like, I love that, <laughs> I love that he's just not going to give you, like, he's not here for the BS. It's, it's an amazing answer. It, it's yeah.
3: funny because culture has been a buzzword in the NBA oh, yeah. over the last couple of years. In and the like, sports world
0: in general. And,
3: yeah. um, I mean, the Nuggets have, like, put culture, building a culture at the top of, of everything. Like, so sort of the abs. Before you know, good players or good coaches, like they want a culture I- in place. I know the NFL is super different, and things can happen a lot quicker.
1: You need culture, but I just love that he's like, he's like culture is just really winning. Like everyone has good culture when they win, um and for him, he he is installing a culture, whether he wants to call it that or not. It's all about the details, you know. For him, it's you don't get to show up to meetings late, you don't get to show up to practice late, you don't get to not finish a rep. Uh, Like I mentioned earlier, all the little things that he's controlling. You're wearing game jerseys at practice because it's too easy for defenders to grab onto practice jerseys. He thinks of (laughs) everything. And so I think the culture for him is just never let anything
5: slip through the cracks.
0: All right, AJ, your turn. Oh, hold on. Let me get my timer. All right, go. I don't,
5: I don't think I'm gonna need all um, that all the time, honestly. Really <laughs> there, like there's really not yeah. there's really not a lot that happened. The Avs just keep signing their RFAs. Uh so I guess the big winner is JT Comfer, who has parlayed two mediocre NHL seasons into a fourteen million dollar contract. out a baby. So win in line. Get you that green, homie. <laughs> I mean, he's not he's not worth the deal that he signed. Uh, but it's not it's not an egregious overpayment by the team and it's fine. Four years at three and a half million dollars per it it's a it's a little heavy-handed on both term and money but he's a nice player and he fits in with their cul- their culture <laughs> of what the avs have been building in their locker room and he's a known quantity yeah, and they're hoping seconds. that he gets better um but he's you know you're paying 3.5 million dollars for your third line center so it's yeah and he you know he's a young guy it's it's fine i'm I, he's mostly the winner because he makes a lot of money now <laughs>
1: <laughs> let me let me just ask you this do you believe in clutch in hockey? I don't. So you cuz that's his va- that's his greatest value in my opinion. He somehow finds a way in dire situations to score goals. It feels like quite often.
5: Yeah, specifically well, in the playoffs. I mean like you look at this look at the goal that he scored in game 2 of the series against Calgary where he tied it up. That sent them into overtime. Totally changed the complexion of that series. He he was just standing there. He was the guy that stood there and the puck bounced to him and he banged it home. Like that's not is is that anything to do with his DNA that he happened to be the guy that was standing there and not Alex Kerfoot?
1: I don't know. Some guys just have that.
5: So and and I'm not and this is something Drew and I have gone mm-hmm. back and forth mm-hmm. over like
1: it's different in all the two the, sports. All though. the
5: conversations that Drew and I have had over the years, the the clutch argument is the one that we've gone about the let's, most. Let's go. Um, but oh, it's it. it's for me. I've never been a big believer in it. Uh, good players, you know, are good players the vast majority of the time. And certainly there's, there's like a, there's a, there's like an increased, you know, tension in, in higher elevate, you know, higher important situations. Um, I I don't know that it's like clutch. Like, I don't think it's a gene. I think it's, there are guys that just. They they just you don't succeed. want to say the word luck. Well, some guys want
3: the puck, some guys don't want the puck.
5: It, sure, like there are guys that there there are guys who are good and bad in in different post seasons. You know, Matt Duchesne was god awful in his first two uh, postseason attempts. Uh, he you know did, did not score a single goal, you know, battled injuries, blah 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 blah. Was really young, but then this last year he goes point per game. What changed? And that's a guy that I would never ascribe the the he was knees. The anti clutch. That guy's, he's a a mental midget kind of guy. And, and that's, that's not a clutch guy, but he's, you know, he scores 10 points in 10 playoff games. Why is that? Is it all of a sudden he's clutch? Did he just randomly develop this? No, I'm not, it's not something that I'm a big believer in. It was a recessive gene. Um, But with like a guy like Comfort, like you can't, you know, hey, the Avs needed somebody in game six in Pepsi Center to step up and do something. And he's the guy that had a three point night. You know, is, is is he clutch? Is Tyson Jost clutch? Because he had two points that night, too. And he had a, he had a goal and an assist, and they, he, he and JT played off of each other in that game was to clutch. combine for goals.
1: There was clutch in the air at their house that was So it's like, <laughs> well, it it,
5: I actually talked to Jost after the game, and he told JT <laughs> that morning that while they were making breakfast at, the, at their bachelor pad that JT was going to score that night.
1: You want to talk about The Bachelor? Is that what you said? And, oh,
5: God, no. Let's uh, not. Uh, let's oh, save yeah. that for well, the Broncos pod. Yeah, well, and, and now their Bachelor house is messed up because they <laughs> traded yeah. Kerfoot away. So Who's get the most likely get candidate McCarr to in move there. into the Bachelor pad? Kill, kill McCarr. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> who, who was he
0: living with during the season? Is he still?
5: Uh, he was living with Matt Calvert. He was living in his basement, which is with something his family. <laughs> was, was something the abs always do with their young teenage kids. Um, Duchesne's rookie year, he lived with Adam Foote. Oh, um, okay. I don't remember who Ryan O'Reilly lived with, but he that's lived with incredible. I'm big.
3: trying to envision Michael Porter Jr. living in Paul Millsap's well, basement. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's different the because NBA. a lot of the
5: hockey players they grow up in billet families in in the Canadian junior yeah, system. Yeah, yeah. Right. So They're it's very to... it's very normal for them yeah. to be like, oh, I'm just gonna go live in some dude's house, and that's what they do, you know. But it's just it's definitely weird to think about, like at the highest level, all the money that Kilmacar. Signed after the, the day after his team loses the national championship. He gets a $92,000 check from the abs. That he, will get
3: you a couple months. In a good he, apartment. He, he can go do whatever.
5: And they, the abs were like, no, you're going to live with Matt Calvert. And he's like, Michael Porter Loto Jr.'s like, hey,
1: Paul, um, I need a full closet for all of my shades. <laughs>
5: oh, man.
1: So does uh, Matt Calvert's kids call him Uncle Kale?
5: I don't, I don't know Matt Calvert's kids, uh-huh. but I will definitely ask. I'm
1: hoping for that.
5: <laughs> we'll see, we'll see okay, if Macar, if uh, we'll see if Macar continues to live there next year.
1: I hope he moves into the Bachelor pad.
5: It'll, it, you I think know, it'll
1: help
0: his swag.
5: It, it'll either be him or it'll be Gerard.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, so, Gerard makes
1: more sense. Yeah, every friend group does need a little guy. Yeah, well, the
5: <laughs> adding, adding the French Canadian to the trio could really. Change that lifestyle up real quick. <laughs> come
4: on, you come coming with us. Sorry, I don't know. All right, so no? this basketball, week? nobody, no.
0: Yeah, uh, I got you. got you. I got
2: you.
0: This week it was which player won the week? Herman Marquez, Nikola Jokic, J.T. Comfor, Comfor. That was weird. Um, or Vic Fangio. I personally sauce coach. think <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: that. Herman Marquez. Oh, get out of here. Well, let me – I think that because what we <laughs> talked about last week with the Broncos was training camp starting giving the team hope. The fact that Herman Marquez didn't completely fall apart again after having his worst career start, that brings Rockies fans at least some hope. I mean, John Gray also fell apart. Kyle Freeland's. Uh, I mean, you, you need one of those guys, Part one of those course. pitchers <laughs> to bring – Everyone, hope and Herman picking it up and really showing up, I think, gives fans hope. Are you feeling mm. hope? I am. Okay. I'll say it five I'm more feeling, times yeah. if you want.
5: I'm <laughs> feeling Fangio this week. Hey, I like that argument.
1: You're I can a Fangio,
0: is just the easy <laughs> pick,
4: whatever. Drew easy, Drew what Locke, I was trending within an
5: hour of the start it of verse. <laughs> <laughs> Drew Locke won the week. Look, Kevin Hogan definitely did not win the week. <laughs> He's gonna have
1: a hard time winning any weeks. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, let us know who you think won the week. I'll be putting a poll on BSN Denver's Twitter. So be sure to um, respond on that. I have a few things to tell you guys about. We have a Breckenridge Brewery bar crawl coming up this Friday, July 26th. And we will all be there, pretty sure. Drew, will you be there?
1: I think so. (laughs) Drew doesn't make plans until he wakes up. That's right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, we'll be playing a bunch of uh, different games and having a bunch of giveaways. So if you're in Denver, be sure to stop by. Our first location is Blake Street Tavern, uh, starting at 7.30 p.m. And then the other news I've got, which is pretty exciting, is the fact that we have relaunched our college coverage. We're covering the Buffs and the Rams again, so be sure to check all of that coverage out. And we also released some dope shirts, so be sure to check that out.
1: Real quick, I just want to read this headline, especially because you just mentioned the Buffs and because three of us here are from Boulder. Just just listen, this is very very Boulder here. About once a week at the Boulder Public Library, the Urine Therapy Group of Colorado meets up with members discussing how drinking their pee has cured them from all sorts of ailments.
3: My dad's in that group.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't kidding. doubt that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> kidding. That's, that's the most uh, most bolder thing I've read this week. So Papa wins, loser of the week. <laughs> oh. <laughs> They're going to be pissed when they find out it doesn't work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Well, if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure okay, to... Harrison, <laughs> Harrison can't breathe at the moment from how hard he's laughing. All right, if you enjoy this podcast, be sure to subscribe. And that's all we've got for you this week. For Ryan Konigsberg, Drew Kreisman, Harrison Wind, and AJ Hayfley, I'm Allie Monroy. See you guys next week. Hey guys, it's Allie and Lindsay here. And we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription It is Weinster. The best thing about Weinster is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Weinster is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S. So my favorite part about Weinster is the fact that I don't really know much about wine, and when I go to a liquor store, I tend to gravitate towards the same wine I've always had instead of trying something new. But with Weinster, they make the process so easy. That's exactly right, Allie. And from my perspective, you guys, I love wine and have tried so many different types of wine at different price points. And wine is not only easy, but it is quite literally some of the best wine I've ever tasted and it makes for an amazing gift. What's also ideal about wine is that you can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Weinster.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order.